sick, Lord, I pray that they be made whole. Lord, if there's any, Lord, that uh, uh, need a touch, Lord, a special touch from the Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would touch them in a mighty way. Father, again, we're thankful for all that you do in our lives. We trust you, Lord. We believe that you're able to do great and mighty things. So, Lord, we invite your presence to be among us today in this service. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. all over the house this morning. Let's go back into worship this morning and declare that there's still God like our God today. So let's worship Him today. All oh, these are the days and these are the days of Elijah declaring the word of the Lord. All oh, these are the days and these are the Days of great trials. 
there's no God like Jehovah. 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 Oh, there's no God. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. Oh, let's say one more time. There's no God. Oh, there's no God like Jehovah. 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 Behold, He comes, all riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your
Is that your prayer today, church, to be a sanctuary that the Lord can live in and reside in today? Father, we love you and glorify your name today. Lord, we magnify. Lord, we know that you are great and greatly to be praised. So today, Lord, we are going to declare and decree that, Lord, we are here to worship you. You are all that matters today, Lord. So let that be our prayer. We have come today to worship you and to glorify the name above every name. That's the name of Jesus. Nothing else matters today, Lord, but to experience your presence. And the Lord, have you make residency in our lives today. So this is our cry. You were light of the world. You stand out into darkness. Open my eyes. Let me see. The beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. So here I am.
I want to say to you as you're turning there today that uh, God's good. God's good. There's so many people, you know, that are sick today and that are battling. And uh, 
having issues with um, Sister Glenda, as you can tell, is not here with Brother Mike today. She's battling migraines. And we have um, others that are sick today as well. Sister Ashley Harley is battling sickness today. She's got an issue uh, with her health as well. And so we want to pray for her as well. We want to make sure that, that we're mindful of that. Thank you. We have others that are not here for other reasons. Brother Larry and Sister Jennifer are actually on an anniversary trip. They're somewhere between here and the Bahamas on a boat somewhere. They're probably not streaming us from the cruise ship. But if they are, aloha. We're not from Hawaii, but, you know, season greetings. Uh, but uh, so they're traveling. We want to pray for traveling mercies for them as they make their way home uh, at the end of the week. God has been so good to us over the last few weeks and months. Uh, the last couple weeks we have uh, had incredible, incredible services. We have had uh, over 70 in our building both weeks. And God's just doing great things. And, and uh, we'll have a short business meeting right after service today to kind of explain to you some of the things that we have to correct and fix around here. But I want to say that God's church always is moving forward because God is a God who continues to move forward. And I believe that our best days are still ahead of us. I, I've talked to people on the phone this week. I know we had a little bit of issue with live stream this morning. Facebook is being Facebook. It's not our internet. It's not. We're on YouTube right now. But Facebook's not wanting to cooperate. I don't know if they're censoring us or what they're doing, but they're not wanting to cooperate today. But you know what? We're still going to preach Jesus whether they want to hear it or not. And uh, even if we have to use YouTube as the platform and then put it on Facebook later this afternoon, we're not going to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as I was thinking and I was praying and I was asking God for clarity on where to go from from Easter and the... Uh, scripture or the sermon last week regarding the road of the road to Emmaus to Emmaus I thought where do we go and I know Mother's Day is coming up and there are all kinds of uh, twists and turns that you can do with Mother's Day there's all kinds of stuff and I started thinking about the vision that I believe God gave us for the 2022-2023 church year of reach disciple pray one person one family one community at a time now we wanted to reach everybody we could for the power of Jesus Christ and tell them about Jesus. And I started thinking about that, and I started asking God. I said, okay, God, so how do I go from point A to point B? How do we get from here to there? How do we get from this, this idea of Easter to fulfilling the mandate of Christ and doing what you've called us to do? And I started thinking about that last line, one person, one family, one community. And I told you before, you can't reach one community until you reach one family in the community. And you can't reach a family in the community until at least reach one person out of a family in the community. And as I begin to ask the Lord for guidance and clarity, I'm going to go on a, about a four-week journey uh, with you over the next couple of weeks. We're going to go on a four-week experience on this idea. I want to talk about generations. Because some of you, under the sound of my voice today... You've been here a long time, and thank God for you. And by all, by all, please don't take this out of context when I say this. We would not be where we are without you. We needed you. We absolutely needed you. 
Some of you may not have been a may not have been a part of this church for a long period of time, but some of you have been saved longer than people like me have been alive. You've been you have walked this, if you will, spiritual journey longer than I've been physically living. I'm only 23, and some change. Maybe like 34. I had somebody you know, last week, Brother Randy had his birthday, so he flipped his numbers around. And it made him look younger. I said, I don't want to flip my numbers around. If I flip mine around, I'm 43. I don't want to be there yet. I'll stay in 34 for a while. I can't flip my numbers yet like some folks can. But if you're 92, you flip it around, that's 29. That sounds pretty good on paper. (laughs) Doesn't sound the same when you're 34 or 43. You don't want to go up. You want to go down. But some of you have been around the spiritual faith longer than I've been alive. Some of you have been members of the Church of God or a church denomination longer than I've been alive. Then there are some of you that are probably in my category. You went to church all your life and you may have been saved at an early age. And you've been walking this journey, but you haven't reached senior status pillars ministry level yet. Then there may be some under me that maybe spiritually younger than me. Maybe you've only been saved for a few weeks, months, or a couple years. Some may be physically younger than I am. But every generation is needed for the body of Christ. Because the reality of it is, is people like myself and us that are younger, and even people that are spiritually younger, and even people that are physically younger than I am, we can only go and do so much because we've only seen and experienced so much. But there are some of you in here that you have seen and experienced so much, but physically you're not as strong as you used to be. And energetically you're not as passionate as you used to be. It's not that you don't want to be. You want to be, but you can't work for the kingdom of God like you used to. You can't come to every church work day. There are some things you're limited because their physical bodies are wearing out. So you need people with young vitality and strength and energy to rake the yards and cut the grass and cut the trees down. That's what you need. But for us, love us like myself who can do that, some of us need your spiritual encounters and spiritual examples because we may can cut grass, but we haven't fought devils. And we might be able to cut down trees, but we haven't slayed giants. And we need you. We all need each other. You can have an all, a church that's all young, and that's great to a certain degree. You can have a church that's all seniors, and that might be great to a certain degree. But if you have a church of all seniors, eventually it dies out. And if you have a church of all young people, eventually no one's discipled, and it fizzles out. Because they get where they get like the wind. They just blow wherever it goes. And I started thinking, so for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about a generation. We're going to be talking... Today we're going to talk about a guy by the name of Abraham. Next week we'll talk about a guy by the name of Isaac. The next week we'll talk about a guy by the name of Jacob. And on Mother's Day we're going to talk about a guy by the name of Joseph and how the two ladies in his life, Leah and Rachel, how both of them had conflicting stories about their journey of faith, if you will. And both of them saw things differently. But just because your family dynamics is chaotic doesn't mean God doesn't still have a promise for your life. Everything doesn't have to be perfect for God to still be God. So let's look at this together. Genesis chapter 22. If you'll stand really quick for the reading of words. We're only going to read three verses. Verse 3, 4, and 5. 
So Abraham arose early in the morning, and he saddled his donkey, and he took two young men with him, Isaac his son. And he split the wood of the burnt offering and arose and went to a place which God told him to go. After three days had passed, Abraham lifted his eyes, and he saw the place afar off. So Abraham turned to the young men that were with him and said, You stay here with the donkeys while the lad and I go yonder and worship. But notice the next line. But we will come back. Not I will come back. Not he will come back. We will come back. I'm telling you, for the church of the living God to survive, I don't need to be here only. And you don't need to be here only. But we need to come together and worship the Lord. We need each other. We will come together and worship the Lord. The old will grab the young. The middle aged will grab the teenage. And we'll all together worship the Lord together. So this morning I want to preach to you a message called, I'm going yonder. I'm going yonder. Look at what he said. He said, the lad and I are going yonder to worship, but we will come back. I want to know if anybody willing to go with the preacher today and let's go yonder. I don't know where yonder looks like for Santee Circle Church of God. I don't know if it's a building up front. I don't know if it's four services in this building or a complete different property. But I believe that God wants to take us yonder. I don't know if it's a three-day journey, a five-year journey, but I believe God's got a plan for us. And whenever we get there, God's going to say, that's it. I wonder if anybody today say, Pastor, let's go yonder. I'll go with you. Let's go yonder and see what God has in store for us today. Father, the best of my ability, hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Help me to preach your unadulterated word of God. Let me not be seen or heard, but you be heard. God, let us not be hearers of the word only, but doers there likewise. Father, we will forever, Lord, commit this word. Take a coal from the altar of heaven and anoint these lips of clay, that I may decree and declare what thus saith the Lord God Almighty. And for that, Lord, I give you the praise and the glory and the honor, and together the people of God in one mind and one accord said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I wonder, I don't want you to answer this out loud, but I wonder has anybody ever in this room owned a dog or a pet that you had to train in obedience school or had to train in being obedient? Because today there's going to be four characteristics over the next few weeks that we're going to discuss about each person, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And today's theme, that I want us to be generations of obedience. Because we're never going to get to yonder unless we obey what God has already said for us to do. You have to obey His Word. I remember when I was a kid, I had a dog, CJ. It was really, it was a really hard name for me to come up with. When I got this, it was a full-blooded golden retriever that was given to us by somebody in our church they asked me what to name the dog, and I named it CJ uh, because it's not because I didn't want a big fancy name, but I was a huge Atlanta Braves fan, and my favorite player on the Atlanta Braves was Chipper Jones. He was the third baseman, wore number 10, was the greatest third baseman of all time. Don't really care if you think any different because you're not preaching today, so your opinion doesn't matter about who's the greatest third baseman of all time. Mine does. It's Chipper Jones, and so I named him CJ because he was like Chipper Jones, and so... I remember, though, when C.J. was a puppy, he began to grow, he became a hoss, he, wore, he was about 90 pounds, 
He was about two years old. He was full of energy. And Brother Shane, you could not control him. He was just a hundred percent energy. I mean, he would drag you. I used to call it grass skiing. You could put a leash on him. He was so strong when he took off running, Brother Storm, you could hold it as long as you could, but he would drag you across the yard like you're skiing and would not stop. He was all muscle. He was all energy. Well, we decided that he, he, was, he would jump, he was playful, but he needed to go to Caesar, the dog whisperer's obedience school. Not really the Caesar, the dog whisperer, but similar to that. And we took him to obedience school. And I remember the first time the, dog, the, the guy was standing there and he said, so you want him to stop jumping? And I said, yeah, I don't want him to jump on people and things like that. And he said, okay. And so he said, let me have the leash and you know, let me do my job and you stand over there and don't judge. And I said, okay. And so I remember he had CJ put him on a leash. CJ came went to jump, and that man took his knee and just bow right in the center of his chest. And I thought, you'll kill my dog. This, you're a horrible human being. CJ came back. He jumped again. The guy said, bow. I was like, if you do that one more time, I'm going to knee you. You know? He did it about three times. The next time, CJ came running. Right before he went to jump, CJ went, mm, that's probably not the best idea, and sat down. And it broke him up his habit. Now, I'm not advocating you do that. I'm just telling you he had to learn to be obedient, to be obedient. He taught us how to take him with a leash and heel and walk. In 2020, during COVID, that's when I met Brianna. And I remember when I first started going over to Brianna's house in 2020. In 2020, you couldn't do nothing. You couldn't go anywhere. Everybody was shut down. Walmart was shut down. Dates kind of stunk because they wouldn't know where to open. So the next thing I did is just go hung out, hang out at her mom and dad's house, hang out with her brothers who were always tearing up something, breaking something, fixing something, telling her how bad her car was, but they're putting 17 parts on their trucks because they don't work. And uh, we're all figuring this mess out together in the thing. But we had Colby. I had never met Colby. Colby was a massive dog. He was a German shepherd. He was huge. He was intimidating. His bark lit up the room. You just knew it. But Colby, even when he, you hear him down the driveway coming and he'd be barking, but Mr. Jim, Brianna's dad, could literally just say, Colby. And Colby would stop on impact and sit there. In fact, Colby was so obedient that Mr. Jim, we would, when Brianna and I would take Colby walking, we'd always take him on the leash or whatever. But Mr. Jim always gets up in the morning, and he goes for a walk and, and pre-COVID. And, and he took Colby, and he would never take Colby on a leash because he knew that no matter what was going on, it didn't matter if another dog came out, it didn't matter if a car was coming out, all he had to do was say, Colby. And Colby would stop because he recognized the voice of the master. It is imperative for us on this spiritual journey not to listen to everyone else's voice, but to only listen to the voice of our master. And when he says, go, go, and when he says, sit, sit, and when he says, stay, stay, and when he says, don't move, don't move. Because the master knows more about the journey that I know about the journey. In fact, Colby was so smart. You could take Colby for a walk, Sister Brenda. He always go to the bathroom in the same place on the journey of walking. We knew where that spot was. And Colby was so good that even if you kind of let Colby lead the way, Colby could navigate himself back home no matter which route you took. Even if you went backwards, he could navigate back to the house because he had mastered the track. He knew where he wanted to go. He knew where he was supposed to go. You know how? Because he had done it enough times with the master. The more we walk with Jesus, the clearer the path becomes because we'll recognize the journey if we walk with Jesus long enough. And so the... This story, I remember reading a story that Archibald Rutledge told one time about a man who was devastated that his dog got killed in a fire, uh, in a forest fire. The forest caught on fire, and the man 
told his dog to sit there. He was going to go in and try to make sure that, that nobody was hurt in the houses and stuff. And the man was taking buckets of water and stuff like that. And he had told his dog to stay put. And he was in there. Well, the fire began to move down the mountainside. And it kept burning, it kept burning, it kept burning to the point that by the time the fire trucks got there and did it, it had got to the place where the dog was. And when the firemen got there, they found the dog had been killed via smoke uh, inhalation. But you know where he was found? Sitting right where or laying at that point, right where his master told him to stay. And the point of the story was that the dog was so obedient that he was willing up to give his own life at the sake of whatever the master asked him to do. In the scripture I read to you today, Abraham is asked to do something that he thought he never would be asked to do. Have to give up the only thing he ma that mattered to him more than anything else, and that was his son. See, if I were to talk about this idea of generations today, and we're talking about this idea of obedience and generations, Abraham is a guy who epitomizes the idea of, of generational obedience. At 75 years old, Abraham was told to leave his homeland, his father's household, his country, and his family, and travel to a land promised by a God he didn't know, did not know a lot about at the time. He lived in Ur of the Chaldeans, which was an ancient city that flourished till about 300 B.C. The great uh, ziggurat, Ur, was the one who built Ur, uh, name, uh, excuse me, Naimami, which literally in 3100 B, or 2100 B.C. was dedicated to the moon god, Nana, which literally was the moon that worshipped the power and represented the birth cycle, growth, decay, death, and the measurement of life in calendar years. It was a, a Mesopotamian god. He was a supreme God because he was over the fertility of crops, herds, and families. And so Abraham lived in a pagan nation. He knew about many gods, but one day had this encounter with the God that said, get out of here. And he had to decide, do I listen to what all my father's gods, little g, have, I've prayed to, I've worshipped, or do I listen to this voice of a God that I, I'm not sure I know everything about, but seems to be the true God. He would talk to his father. He knew he had to make a decision, and so finally he decided to take this trek. Through countless ensuing days and hours of travel, Abram, his wife Sarai, and their nephew Lot, because Abraham's brother had passed away and he was responsible for raising him, set out and made their trek towards a land they did not know. They passed through Egypt. They lied to a pharaoh. They had raged wars with other pagan kings of the land. Abram had been through a lot. One night, Abram is sitting outside, and he sees stars in the sky, and the Lord speaks to him and says, Abram, count the stars. He said, God, I can't even begin to number them. He said, I know that's going to be your descendants one day. That was his promise. When things didn't go as fast as Abram and Sarai wanted to, they took matters in their own hands, and at 86 years young, Abraham through the advocacy of surrogacy of a slave girl named Hagar, becomes father to a boy named Ishmael. Sarah gets jealous. By the age of 99, three heavenly visitors show up at Abraham's tent. Abraham and Sarah passage. Abraham one day has another encounter with God where God instructs Abraham to take Isaac, his promised child, to a place called Mount Moriah and offer him as a supreme sacrifice back to God. Now it was hard enough to watch Ishmael walk away 
and know that that's your own flesh and blood leaving. It was hard enough to walk through Egypt and have the light of Pharaoh. It was hard enough to go to battle and to war. It was hard enough to do some of the other things Abraham had done, but nothing was as hard as this one, having to give up the promised son with no promise in return. God said, give me your son, but he never promised him that the son would return. He just said, I need you to bring Isaac and offer him as a sacrifice. There was no, if you do this, Abraham, I'm going to save him anyway. Don't worry about it. Abraham had no idea what was going to happen. He had to walk in complete faith and obedience to this word. He saddles two donkeys, or some donkeys and two servants with Isaac. He cuts the wood. He gets everything ready. They go on this journey together. For the next few moments, I want to take you on this journey. How do you get from here to yonder? How do you get from the place of complacency? How do you get to the place of get from the place of comfortability? How do you get from the place of everything's good right now to a place called yonder, where there's something greater you can't even begin to imagine? The first thing I want you to understand is obedience is never easy, but it is necessary. Obeying God's not always going to be easy to do. Sometimes you're going to lose things. Some things you're going to have to let go. Being obedient to God is not always about making you comfortable and feel good. Sometimes being obedient to God is not about making you feel good, but it's necessary for where God needs to take you. It's necessary. The word worship that we read in the scripture in our reading today, that is the first time you will read the word worship in the Bible is in this encounter. First time worship is ever written is right here. God told him to go. God wanted to know how devoted Abraham was. So you can, can I tell you today, God sometimes will require us to give up things that we love and cherish most so that we know, he knows how much we really want him compared to the things of value to us. Many of us have been only as far as our traditions will take us. But that's not the place called yonder. Many of us have only been where our peers have been comfortable going with us. But that's not the place God wants to take us. Many of us have been to places where Christian television and church gurus have promoted revival hotspots. But the arrival of that special place called yonder is not there either. There is a place beyond natural boundaries of flesh and human expectations where an individual can know God and worship Him in spirit and in truth. There is a place where the presence of God becomes so known and so surreal and the needs of humanity are met. There is a place called yonder, but you'll never get to yonder until you first obey what God said to do right here. Right here. I read a story about Arabian horses. They go through a rigorous training in the desert, in the Middle East. Towards the end of their obedience training, their masters will literally starve them of water or deprive them of water for days in the hot sun. Then they'll release them, and the horses will take off running towards the spring of water. And right before they get the spring of water, the trainer will blow a whistle. And the horses that stop, turn around and run back to the trainer and stand there shaking and, 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 and gasping, if you will, for, for water, but still quivering from the, the thirst, but stand there, that's the ones they take with them. The ones that go straight to the water and drink, they send off. 
because what they are doing is they want to know which horse they have complete obedience and control over. And the reason that is is because when they're on these long journeys across desert stands, there may not always be water easily accessible, and they're depending, putting their life, if you will, on the these horses that are carrying them from point A to point B. They don't need a horse to flake out on them in the middle of the journey. They need them to be dependable on the journey. Sometimes I believe God allows us to go through seasons of difficulty not because he's cruel, but because he doesn't need us to flake out on him when the journey gets hot and gets tiring and gets hard. He needs to know where we stand. You may not want to fully obey what God says, but until you completely obey what the word of the Lord says, you can't truly experience all God has for your life. So we know that obedience is not easy, but it's necessary but we also know that obedience is essential for worship. You truly can't be a worshiper if you can't be obedient. Because the Bible gives very clear instructions that those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And when you start talking about how we come to the Father and how we worship him, we have to surrender to him and let him be in control and us not be in control. Abraham took the burnt wood. He laid it on the back of his son Isaac. He took a fire in his hand, a knife, and the two of them went together and some rope. Abraham only took with him that which was conducive for the experience. He took Isaac, the sacrifice. He took wood, representing humanity, natural life, and human strength. He took fire, representing the Holy Spirit of God. He took a knife. The Hebrews 4 and 12 says the word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the joint and marrow, and as being the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So in order for you really to have a good worship experience, you've got to be willing to be the sacrifice, get rid of humanity, let the Holy Spirit come in, and let God do some pruning in your life. That's the only things you need in a good worship service, is God, let your word cut off the fat that I don't need, let your Holy Spirit burn with inside of me, let me die so that you live, and let everything else around me mean nothing but I give you all that I have God so that you can do what all you can in me that's all you have to have that was the ingredients he left all the excess baggage at home at the campsite you see sometimes you may have to lay aside some things on this journey of faith and be obedient to God to make it to that place called yonder sometimes on this journey of faith you're going to have to lose friends Sometimes relationships will change. Sometimes jobs will be different. Sometimes money will not be important. Sometimes promotion is not all that it's cracked up to be. Sometimes popularity and fame isn't worth it. Sometimes you've got to let go so God can have his way. You see, ego, pride, hurt feelings, they are excess baggages on this journey of faith. Thomas Akempis said this, instant obedience is the only kind of obedience there is. Delayed obedience, in reality, is disobedience. Whoever strives to withdraw from obedience withdraws from the grace of God. What a thought. Instant obedience, he said, is the only type. And if you try to not be obedient, what you're doing is you're resisting, or if you will, withdrawing away from the grace of God. 
So obedience is not easy but necessary. Obedience is essential for worship. But obedience will require some time. Obedience is not always going to let you just get instant macaroni and cheese every time. Sometimes God will make you wait. Sometimes God will say not now but later. Sometimes you'll pray and the answer won't be yes and it won't be no. It'll be wait. And we don't like that. We live in a society we like instant. That's why you can go into Walmart or any major grocery store, walk down the frozen food aisle, see you know the the Uncle Ben's pre-made you know uh, food, and you'll see people with with four, five, six, seven, maybe sometimes twelve cases of TV dinners in their cart. You know what they're really saying? They don't want to cook. Because in two and a half minutes they can have Salisbury steak, mashed potatoes and gravy, green beans, or them little English field peas that come from Satan himself. The little little cafeteria peas all in two minutes and 30 seconds and you got a meal you can't cook good cube steak in two minutes and 30 seconds that's a sham good cube steak takes time you first need to take cube steak you need to take it out and it'll sit out for a little bit you can put it you know you can bathe it milk whatever you want to do whatever get it right but you need to flour it you gotta get the flour out you gotta put it in there you gotta get it all ready you gotta flour it season it then you got to get a some kind of skillet or fryer. You got to get it ready, get the grease ready, get it hot. You want it real good and hot because if you put it in there too soon, the flour won't really connect. It'll kind of just fall off and it'll make a mess. But you want it to be real hot so that it kind of just sizzles when it drops in the pan. Then you got to cook it. Then you got to take it out. Mashed potatoes, good mashed potatoes and gravy. And you you got to peel potatoes. Then you got to put them in some kind of mixer, whether it's a hand mixer or whether it's a, one of those. Uh, uh, my wife has the. The KitchenAid, she has the ones that's electronic, you know, but it still has the, the rotating discs and stuff in there. But you got to have them, and you got to rotate them. got to put a little bit of butter, a little bit of sour cream, maybe a little bit of milk in it. you got to do it because good mashed potatoes are not smooth. They have a little bit of lumps in them, and uh, that lets you know they're not, they're not fake mashed potatoes. And you got to do that, then you got to make the gravy. See, that takes longer than two minutes and 30 seconds. But I, I'm sure Uncle Ben, natural, organic, no... You know, GMO cube steak and gravy in two minutes and 30 seconds with all its preservatives in it. I'm sure it kills hunger, but it ain't like the real thing. The reality of it is sometimes we want our relationship and journey with God to always be instant, 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 instant. But sometimes the longer something waits and marinates, the better it becomes down the road. A good steak's better after it's sat in a, in a, in a marinade overnight. Because it has to have time to season. Sometimes on our spiritual journey, we need to realize that when we are obedient to God, sometimes God's going to require some time because what He wants to produce in us is better over time than if He just did it instantaneously. And the reality of it is, Abraham says that three days had passed, and he finally saw the place of off, meaning he kept walking every day, thinking, Am I there yet? I'm almost there. I, I gotta be getting close. I gotta be close. Then day two, I gotta be getting closer. It took three days' journey before he realized he was there at that place called yonder. Abraham knew that it was gonna be a journey. You know, it said it took three days. We know that in biblical numerology is divine order, number of completion, number of perfection. It took time. Many people like to worship in what I call the foothills experience. If you've never seen mountains before, you get to the foothills, you'll think, oh, this is amazing. They're so beautiful. There's like these little ridges and there's these little bumps. And 
They're beautiful. And you'll stop somewhere in the foothills on the other side of Spartanburg, maybe right outside of Asheville. I know they're mountains, but don't get me wrong. You'll stop somewhere in that window, and you'll be like, this is great. If you don't keep driving, you'll think that's the coolest thing you've ever seen. But it doesn't even come close to when you get to the top of the Great Smoky Mountains in the fall time of the year. Or to stand at a pinnacle of the Rockies where it's snow-capped up top but shorts and t-shirts at the bottom of the base of the mountain. If you've never been to the Grand Canyon and seen the vastness of it, you might think that mountains are cool until you see how far the Grand Canyon takes you on a journey. See, the reality of it is some people like to worship in what I call the foothills experience. They get somewhere and they get comfortable saying, oh, this is good. I'll just stay right here, not realizing there's something better over yonder if they'll just keep going. They stop short. That's why some people, I believe with all my heart, are afraid to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking tongues. They got saved and that's great, but they don't want to keep pressing. They don't realize there's something better over yonder. I'm just going to tell you, I'm Pentecostal. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not saying that you, I've said this in our Wednesday night Bible study, you don't have to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues to make it to heaven, but I do think it's essential to live on earth sometimes. You need Him more than you realize you need Him from day to day. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of people, the only reason they've never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit is because they're afraid and they're stopping short because they have settled for foothill worship experience not realizing there's something so much better over yonder. I'm telling you, when I got saved, it was great. I'm telling you, when I got sanctified, it was great. But ain't none of it felt the same when I felt Jesus come down and the Spirit of God fill my soul and a heavenly language began to produce out of these lips of clay. And I felt the Shekinah glory come down. Oh, don't worry. Yes, salvation was great. Oh, don't worry. Sanctification was great. But when the Holy Spirit showed up, that's when I knew that I was in church. There was something about the atmosphere. There was something about the fire of God burning. I'm telling you, some people have never been to yonder because they're afraid to go over yonder. They're afraid. You see, I want to let you know that a planned service of three songs, a few prayers, a sermon, and a benediction is structure. That doesn't mean it's worship. Whether you sing three songs or one song, whether you have five prayers or one prayer, whether you read scripture or don't read scripture, whether there's a benediction or not, whether there's a sermon or not, doesn't define if there's worship in the house. Those are structural things. Worship is defined by I don't care if the preacher preaches or not. Don't care how many songs Sister Sherry sings or not. Don't care how well the bands play or not. I came to worship God. I came to magnify the Lord, exalt His name forever. I'll lift Jesus high. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. He has dealt bountifully with me. I didn't come to church to hear how good pastor preached. I didn't come to listen to how good this band plays. Oh, I'm thankful we have a good band, but I don't come to church to listen to a good band. I thank God every day for our worship team, but and they're good, but I didn't come to hear the worship thing. I may not like the songs they sing, but I didn't come to worship the song. I came to worship the God of the song. I don't care if the preacher preached good or not. As long as he said Jesus once, that's all I had to hear. Because that's a name I recognize. That's a name I serve. I'm not here to make you happy. I'm not here to make us happy. I'm here to make him happy and glorified. I did not come for you, but I came to worship him. That's what I came for. So obedience requires time, but obedience will also remove hindrances. Because if you obey God, God's going to remove things out of your life that doesn't need to be there. You're going to have to give up cussing, and smoking, drinking, and all the other stuff that we call sins of the church. 
You're going to have to give up some bad attitudes sometimes because that ain't obedient to God. Sometimes you're going to have to give up personal preferences of how church goes because that's not obedient to God. How do you know that, preacher? Now you're just preaching conviction. No, I'm not. Because the Bible says this, Abraham said to the two servants, stay here while the lad and I go there. Abraham knew he was going to a place that others weren't ready to go to yet. So he left the hindrances behind. He didn't need somebody elbowing him the entire time he's worshiping God going, Is that real? Is that real? Is that real? Is that God? Is that real? No, no. Abraham didn't want any distractions. He left the distractions behind. You see, some people can't go to the same levels of God with you because they're not ready to go and willing to sacrifice the same things you're willing. Those men didn't have to give up anything. Abraham was giving up everything. Sometimes people can't understand your level of worship because they have not been where you've been with God. It's easy to worship God when you don't have to give Him anything. But there's a deeper sense of worship when you've had to give God everything of you. So he, took, he left them behind because these men never came to worship. They came to be maintainers of the donkey. I wish I could say that only is in Abraham's day. There are a lot of people that come to church not to worship but to maintain the gates and hold on to leashes of donkeys. Now, I didn't read the King James Version to you in your midst today, but when you get home, read with the donkeys in King James. It'll explain it to you a lot better. You'll understand why, why, why it's a little bit different there. Because there's some people that come to church, they don't care how the singing is, they don't care how the preacher is, they weren't here to worship, they were here to maintain. My church, my pew, my daddy painted it, my mama lit it, my grandmother dedicated it, my great-grandfather put it in. Don't change it, don't move it, don't adjust it, don't do this, don't do that, don't do the other. They're not worshiping. They're maintaining. Why do we have to do this? Why do we have to do that? Why, you know, they stand at the front door. You can see them sometimes. I'm not saying there's any here. I'm talking about Universal Church. Go to other churches. You'll see them real quick. They stand at the door. They look like they had a whole bag of Sour Patch Kids, and nobody told them that first they're sour, then they're sweet. They forgot the sweet part of the journey. A lot of people, a lot of people are what I call Sour Patch Christians. They just don't realize at first you might have a sour part about you, but eventually you got to turn sweet. Hello, preacher. That's good preaching even if I am preaching it today. The reality of it is that sometimes in our journey of faith, we're walking through this road, and we're going through this journey, and we're having to deal with all that we're dealing with, that sometimes God has to say, that's got to go. you got to go. Because the reality of it is this. Sometimes not everything you're attached to, God wants attached to you. Some things God wants you to let go of. See, those two men were standing there watching the donkeys. And while there are some people still in church today that want to maintain, God's not interested in maintaining. God's interested in going yonder. And if you're not careful, you can find yourself in a church 
with a group of believers that will hold you back from going to yonder because they just want to maintain. They just want to maintain their holy huddle. They just want to maintain their four and no more. They want to maintain control. They want to maintain power. They maintain power. The reality of it is God is not interested in maintaining. He is interested in going from here to yonder. We cannot get complacent. We cannot settle. We have to say, God, and we're not satisfied. Take us over yonder. Take us there. You see, they never came to worship. In order for the next generation to be able to survive, they got to know how to get from here to yonder. Some of you that have been spiritually on this journey longer than I have been, you have been over yonders before. Some of us in this room, whether it's physical age or spiritual age, there are some people in this room that have not been to the yonders like you've been. They need somebody to grab them by the hand like Abraham did with Isaac and take them to yonder. Because they may not know how to get Sister Anne to yonder, but some people do know how to get to yonder. They'll never get to yonder. They'll get lost on the way unless somebody takes them over yonder. See, the reality of it is this next generation of leaders, I'm not talking about just kids and teenagers. While that could apply, it can even be younger people in their 30s and 40s and things like that. There's going to be people that have to keep this thing going when some of us time out. I know that all of us in this room have the spirit of Caleb and we're 85 years old and we can still take mountains and giants. But some of y'all, y'all are slower at fighting the giants than you used to be. It takes you a little bit. Well, the walker doesn't move as quickly as it used to back in the day. That's okay. That's okay. You have things here that no one else has. You have memories. You have spiritual monuments and monikers and moments that you need to share. That's okay. Let these younger generation pull the physical weight. But you you got spiritual, spiritual applications we need. There are some people who can't get to yonder. They need you to show them yonder. But if all they see is us disgruntled, complaining about the music or complaining about the teaching or complaining about the band, if all they ever hear us do is grumble and complain, they're never going to get to the promised land. Ask the children of Israel. All they knew was disgruntlement. And they died out on the threshold, the doorstep of Canaan. They could see Canaan, and they still didn't get in. Because they died out on the cusp of their breakthrough. Why? Because they would not stop fussing, grumbling, and complaining. What if we are at the threshold of God taking Santee Circle Church of God to a place we could never imagine? But what if we end up dying out because we can't get it together at the threshold of our breakthrough? What if our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren were on the threshold of salvation, sanctification, spirit-filled baptism? They were on the threshold, but all they heard us was complaining. They thought, well, if that's what it is, I don't want that. And we killed their dream. As careless as you make your way, I finalize, finally say this in conclusion. One thing obedience does do is it will create generational revival. Because when you're obedient, you're not worried about you. You're worried about him. And the reality of it is, he wants all. He wants red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the children of the world. He doesn't want some. He wants all. So obedience will be not about me. It will be about him that will in turn create we. Not me, we. It will be about us. Not me, us. How do you know that? 
glad now I will go yonder and pray. But we, we will come back to you. Don't, some people try to overanalyze the Bible. Don't overanalyze the Bible. The lad and I are going to pray. Older generation, Abraham had many sons, you know, older generation, younger generation. Going to yonder to worship. But you notice Abraham didn't say, we're going to go to worship, but I'm going to go to the traditional service. And Isaac's going to go to the contemporary service, and we'll catch y'all back up for lunch. No, that ain't what he said. He didn't say, well, I'm going to the 8.30 service. Isaac goes to the 11 o'clock service. That's not what he said. He said, I'm going with Isaac. They might sing differently than I'm used to. They might worship differently than I'm used to. But I'm going to worship so Isaac can know how to worship. And even if I don't know how to worship the same way Isaac does in the song, maybe they sing, glory, glory, God is able by David Crowder. I don't even know who David Crowder is. I don't even know what Crowder is. I thought the only thing that sounded like that was clam chowder. I don't know who David Crowder is, but I'll worship with it. Because if the younger generation can meet Jesus, I'll figure out a way to worship Jesus. Because as long as it's biblically accurate and as long as it worships Jesus, it may not be when we all get to heaven. But if it'll help them get to heaven, I'll worship with them to get them there. There's a lot of songs I don't like. There's a lot of styles I don't of things I don't, There's a lot of preachers I don't like. But if I have to sit in a church service with my son... If it's something that is leading him to Jesus Christ, I'm like Abraham. It may not be my style, but I'll worship with him if it'll get him there. Because when Micah gets my age, he's probably going to do church differently than I'm used to, and I ain't going to like it. My parents are here today. They did church way different than I do. My dad and I are night and day. When it comes to things like this, that doesn't mean it was bad. Not at all. They're sitting in church today. I guarantee you, if I could leave here and go to lunch with my mom and dad, give me about 15 different things they'd have done differently today in church. Songs that I've never heard. They probably tell me their song, it's a new song I ain't never heard of. Y'all singing all that crazy music. Y'all should have just stuck with the hymns. They probably would have. But they're here. You know why? Because they know there's a grandson sitting in children's church today. They want him to know Jesus, whether it was their style or not. They just wanted to make sure he got Jesus. It's going to look different. It's going to be different. But he's not different. He's the same yesterday, today, bro. God's not different. We will go up and worship. Abraham thought that Isaac was the sacrifice, but when it seemed like it was the final hour, God stepped in and provided a ram in the thicket. In the middle of life's greatest thickets, God always has a miracle. But you never would have seen the miracle if you never willing to go to yonder. You never would have seen it. Abraham represented the older generation. Isaac represented the younger both generations need each other and both are dependent on the hand of God to see them through. You know what's so beautiful? And then I close. You know what's beautiful about this story? Both the older and the younger generation climbed the same mountain. They walked the same road and worshipped together even though they were in different walks of life. Many people in this next generation needs to hear your story. It is possible to worship without creating worship wars. It is possible to have all generations worship together rather than segregate generations in worship. God has not called us to be complacent. God has not called us to just get our way only. 
going to say this and then we're going to pray. As much as it's going to shock some of you in this room and as much as it's probably going to be a, if you will, a bust your bubble moment. Yonder may not be what you think it is. And while we pray, oh God, take us over yonder, it may not look the same way as what you think it will look like. Yonder might look different. Yonder might smell different. Yonder may act different. We say, oh God, I want you to bring sons and daughters to the faith. I want them to get saved. That's what my yonder experience is. What if they're a drug addict? They're going to look different. They're going to live different in the moment. What if an alcoholic walks in? He's going to smell different. Yonder may not be what we think it is. But if we're willing to obey God, whatever it is, it's like, man, what is it? I don't know, whatever it is. I don't know what yonder is. But I promise you, yonder is better than what you think it is. If you go with God, your yonder will be something that will create a wonder life. It might sound different. It may sing different. It may preach different. But yonder, maybe there may be a time and place where 500 people sit out in the front of this property. And I may not be the senior pastor. It may be a guy wearing the same outfit except without a tie, without a vest. He's just got dress pants on and a button up and it's untied. It's a, a button up with, just, with the top button undone. He may not wear a three-piece suit like I do. But if people get saved, yonder might look different if 500 people are sitting in that room. I don't know what yonder is, but I want to go over yonder. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask this question. First question I'm going to ask before I dismiss us, is there anyone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? If you don't know him, I'm going to ask you to just slip your hand up. I'd like to pray for you today that you would make Jesus as Lord and Savior. Are there any? I don't want to leave anyone out. Amen. Here's my question to you today before we pray and have this business meeting here just for a moment. I wonder if anybody would just simply ask this or say this. I'm not going to ask you to look around. I'm not going to ask anybody to look, so you're not going to be embarrassed, so don't feel bad if you raise your hand or not. But I wonder how many people are willing to say, Pastor, I'm not exactly sure what yonder may be, but I'm going to be willing to partner with you, preacher. I'm going to trust you and the good Lord. I want to go with you guys over yonder. I don't know what that will look like, but I'm willing to walk the journey because I want to see this church go yonder. No one looking around. If you're willing to go yonder, will you slip up your hand? Just slip up your hand wherever you are. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Here's what I want us to do. You can look up here for a moment. If you are over the age of 50 years old, I want you to stand. Over the age of 50. I'm sorry. I'm not going to say how many ages over 50. Just over 50. Obviously, if you're still seating, that sitting, still sitting, sitting down, that means you are under 50. So if you're over 50 years old and there is someone in your close by range that is seating, sitting down, I want you to go with them and I want you to grab their hand. If you're over 50, I want you to find somebody that's younger than you and grab their hand. There might be multiple people, but find them. Younger. There's some young ones here. I may have to get some older people over 50 right here. Younger people, stay seated. Older folks, just find them. Just find them quickly. Quickly. 
here's our here's my closing prayer younger generation here's what I want you to do I want you to just pray this simple prayer God help us go yonder that's all I want you to pray if you're under four, under 50 just God help us go yonder if you're over 50 I want you to pray for this generation God help me take this generation over yonder Younger generation, pray, God, help us go yonder. Older generation, your prayer is, God, help me be the one to take them over yonder. Let's pray, God, you are God and God alone. Help us go yonder. Help us see yonder. Help us experience.